Hello, brewery fanatics, and welcome back to another episode of Brewery Travels. I'm your host, Joel Geyer, otherwise known as Brewery Travels on social media. And today, we have an episode that has been a long time in the making, one that I have been, uh, I don't know, if pushing off being paid, whatever the case may be. My good friend Brian from St. Louis is finally joining me to talk about the amazing beer scene here. Uh, St. Louis has been a city that... I think I've talked with this doing this with Brian since almost since the beginning when I started this podcast uh, and we're finally going to get it in here. Now I'm really excited to talk more about the St. Louis beer scene. Cause I've been there a few times, love the breweries there. Uh, and before I pass it off to Brian, I do want to shout out too cause most of the time I don't drink beer when I am doing this podcast. But when I was in St. Louis, actually earlier this year, Brian gave me kind of a goodie basket of such. And I saved one of the beers to enjoy when we would record this episode because we've been talking about it. And so I am going to be drinking Grace, which is a 100% barrel fermented Brett beer aged for seven months in neutral oak from Second Shift Brewing, which will be a brewery that I'm sure Brian will talk much in much greater detail uh, coming up here. But Brian, first of all, uh, how about you just kind of give a little introduction about what got you into craft beer and how you're part of the brewing community? Yeah, no problem. Uh, great to be back, Joel. Really appreciate you having me on. Um, for the most part, uh, I really didn't get as heavily involved with the the beer community until probably about three years ago, right about when COVID happened. Uh, had been a pretty big fan, like doing you know brewery trips, things like that. Uh, but I took that as an opportunity to kind of promote and uh, showcase not only the St. Louis beer scene, but you know other breweries that I visited. Uh, really to showcase those small businesses, uplift them during what was a difficult time uh, for everyone. Uh, aside from, <laughs> excuse me, aside from that, I've uh, visited over 300 breweries, locally active in the beer community, and uh, occasionally write part-time for porchdrinking.com. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so uh, I am just now starting to sip in on Grace, and I can tell you right now this is absolutely just delicious. It's got exactly what you are wanting for from a Brett beer in terms of both the nose and the taste, the nice funky tartness kind of going on there. Uh, so I will be enjoying that throughout this process, but let's kind of go back to the beginning because, you know, St. Louis is a city similar to like where I'm from Milwaukee and, you know, a small handful of those where you can truly say that beer is not just part of the city's history. It is, it is an integral part of what makes the city, what it is. Uh, you know, there's documented history that brewing was taking place back in 1809 when St. Louis was still just a very small community. And then thanks in part to an influx of German immigrants, beer has always been woven into the fabric of the area. Even one of today's craft breweries is located above historic lagering caves. And that, that's Earthbound, which is one of the places that you took me to. So for people who may not be familiar, can you just try to give like a little brief summary of the history of beer in St. Louis and the importance it has played in the city over time? Because I know that's a, it could be, that could be an entire episode essentially, but you know, just kind of some of the cliff notes of what has shaped the city in terms of beer. Yeah, absolutely. You touched on it. 1809, uh, we had a gentleman named John Coons who opened our first documented primitive brewery, which is actually was exactly on the site of what is now the Gateway Arch. So unfortunately, it's not there, but a lot of the old breweries of St. Louis's history are still there. Uh, one of which is uh, contributed to a man named Adam Limp. He was the first that really introduced the lager 
spirits of St. Louis and some even contend the United States. Uh, he first opened Western Brewery, which later became one of the largest breweries in the country. Uh, so the Limp family, part of the Limp facility is still standing. Um, it's not being utilized for anything. Uh, hopefully at some point somebody can salvage that. Uh, but they're just right across the street from another brewery uh, that's actually in the old stables of the Limp Brewery. Uh, and it's called Bluewood Brewing. So um, breweries have taken advantage of the history. But yeah, like you said, 1840s when we had that German influx, uh, that's really when things started to kick off. Uh, 1860, we had over 40 breweries in St. Louis. Uh, one of the smallest ones was a brewery, little brewery called the Bavarian Brewery, which was owned by a local soap merchant named Eberhard uh, Anheuser, who later... As we all know, founded yep. Anheuser-Busch. That's, that's a familiar sounding name. For yeah. <laughs> so uh, we all know the history. I'm not going to dive much into AB, but uh, they, they've played a big part with the St. Louis beer scene. Uh, but during that time, we had another uh, another name that probably a lot of people will remember, at least his last name. But Lewis Koch uh, actually founded uh, a brewery called the Coke and Field Camp Brewery in about 1875. And he created a lager that was later stashed away in his home in Cincinnati, which his grandson found later and dubbed Boston Lager. So the res original recipe for Sam Adams Boston Lager uh, actually has a, a connection to St. Louis. So that that's an interesting, very little known fact. It used to be on the sam adams website but i think it was about five years or so ago that they actually updated that um and maybe it was during a refresh i'm not entirely sure yeah uh, but, well i mean uh, i know because that that was one thing that when i did the cincinnati podcast with a good friend david you know that was brought up that you know the boston logger cincinnati but it's actually tied also to st louis so you know the famous loggers got ties to two uh you know very historic brewing cities in yeah, in the absolutely. midwest uh, so now I, I know we, we're not going to spend too much time diving in, into AB, but, you know, Anheuser-Busch obviously has been an integral part of the beer history and has an enormous pack, impact on on not just beer, but essentially the entire culture. I mean, when people think of Bush, they're often thinking of, you know, Saint, the St. Louis Cardinals, for instance, you know, Bush Stadium and everything for so long. So now is kind of your chance. How does... How does having a brewery like that affect all the other local breweries? And, and has that changed at all over time as craft beer has become more and more popular? So I, I like the fact that you mentioned the, the baseball connection. So there's actually a really interesting story. And since this won't probably be coming out until after opening day, I'm going to go ahead and spill the beans here. Um, the Bush Stadium is where the Cardinals play. That wasn't actually named after Bush Beer. Uh, they wanted to name the brewery the they wanted it to be Budweiser Field or Budweiser Stadium. But the MLB had problems calling a stadium after alcohol. So they took the Bush name and the Bush family shortly after they accepted that for, you know, Bush Stadium, they launched Bush Beer. <laughs> so kind of a little uh one-two punch to the uh to the mlb but yeah the rest is history and, and we're now on version two of bush stadium and i don't think st louis would have it any other way it's it's part of the history but to your earlier question though you know ab has been a early active promoter of the local beer scene uh they were involved in some of the early heritage festivals they've helped promote 
uh, breweries such as Schlafly, Square One, uh, and even many of the other local breweries they're involved with. Uh, a lot of the um, out programs like Pink Boots, they've worked with them uh, on a number of occasions. But yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely uh, impactful and play a big part. Uh, maybe not as much anymore, but they are still actively engaged. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, and we, we've talked about that too, you know, that, that when you have like these large breweries, it is a different, it's a different type of relationship. Uh, I know when I had, did my Denver episode, we kind of talked about, uh, you know, cores and, you know, the fact in Golden, how, how they've helped and that they, they discussed that at the, in earlier craft beer days, cores was much more active in helping, you know, breweries get along and hosting events and everything. And as craft beer got bigger and bigger, it's maybe waned a little bit. So it is kind of an interesting, cause they're making the same stuff, but they're very different businesses and approaches, essentially. Uh, and so, so now looking strictly at the craft breweries themselves, because I know, I know you have good relationships with a lot, a lot of the breweries there. How does the brewery community, and, and specifically talking about the brewers, brewery owners, etc., interact with one another? Um, and, and do you feel like those relationships are different than maybe in other cities? I mean, this can be you know collabs, recipes, sharing ingredients, staff going between them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, so uh, absolutely. I, I think, at least in St. Louis, everything is um, very much community focused. Uh, early on, there were stories of you know one brewery running out of uh, of ingredients, going to another brewery, getting that. Uh, you can often go to uh, one brewery. In fact, when you were in St. Louis, we went to one brewery, and sure enough, the head brewer of another brewery was there. Yep. Um, so, yeah, you actually will see, you know, brewers, staff actively being engaged. They're participating, they're supporting, uh, they're showcasing everyone's brewery, beer and, you know, product. There's no, there's no ill will or anything like that between any of the business, the breweries across St. Louis. Uh, for the most part, everyone is mutually friendly. Uh, there's frequent collaborations engagement across festivals uh just everybody works together and it it definitely shows within the beer community yeah absolutely well i mean and i i feel like that is a fairly common thread but i did feel like when i've talked to you before you know talking about a lot of the brewery owners and, and the fact of how close a lot of them are so now i kind of want to dive into talking about your big stl beer accountant project and everything that's going on with that um, and I want this to kind of just be, you can go off on a tangent here. I want to know what you're currently doing, what you've all done and where you hope that it kind of goes as an organization. Cause you and I have talked a whole bunch about this, obviously, and what it could possibly mean and do for the craft beer community in, in St. Louis is certainly something that has been absent essentially for, for large parts of the kind of the craft beer movement to this point in the city. Yeah, so unfortunately, the last three years, COVID really did hit uh, what was referred to as the St. Brewers Heritage Foundation, uh, aka STLbeer.org. Uh, it hit them pretty hard simply because it was a, you know, we'll say two man operation. Um, as of this past year, parts of that operation started to get dissolved. Um, festivals were handed off to other breweries to take over. Um, ongoing you know there, there really was no support no promotion other than an occasional retweet out there uh showcasing the city uh 
the other thing too is STL Beer had a uh, big part in promoting and taking the best beer cities, not just on brewery travels, but uh, for USA Today, multiple years in a row. But as COVID hit, as you know, everything was starting to kind of bubble up, and people were wondering where they, what, who was going to have a job, what was going to be happening, what this new landscape was going to look like. The STL Beer program started to wind down. Uh, it, it's certainly something that has value. Uh, I reached out shortly, uh, it was probably early October, uh, in an attempt to kind of see what could be done to kind of salvage what was already there. I know you, I know David, I know a few people have actually utilized the resources that are out there when planning your trips. It's a great resource. There's a lot of information. Uh, brewery, every brewery within 75 miles of the city is listed there, and there's over 75 breweries. So uh, there's definitely a lot of information to pick from. We started building that out over the last, we'll say, six months or so. Uh, we started adding award-winning breweries, so you can now filter on which breweries have won awards. There's, I think, about 16, uh, 16 breweries, but actually over 20 that have actually won because some of them are you know, multiple or satellite breweries. Like uh, Perennial has two locations, but they actually brew at each location. So, um, yeah, when it comes down to it, it's a, it's a great resource. Uh, it's something that's still in the works. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. Um, I, I don't really have too terribly much to share uh, as far as kind of what this year holds and what next year holds. But we, we have a few things that we're, we're kind of exploring, uh, one of which was bringing back Heritage Festival. Uh, I don't think that's really in the books right now. Uh, beer festivals are still kind of a kind of a gray area, um, especially, especially if you're just trying to start one. Essentially, it's not mm -hmm. like GABF or Great Taste, where you know you are well established and you've been kind of continuing on, kind of thing. You know, you're you you are essentially yeah. almost starting from scratch in in, in some ways. Yeah, the, the last uh, Heritage Festival was actually 2019, and it, since then it's it's kind of I don't want to say been a kind of ignored and it's kind of people don't it's it's not something people have been expecting every year the first 2020 they're like all right is it going to come back 2021 you're like well maybe we're going to come back and then 2022 you're like if they don't come back now it's kind of you know as we've seen the social kind of declined and we're just in the process of figuring out where and what to share uh, but it's certainly going to be community focused. It's going to focus on the brewers. It's going to focus on the businesses and it's going to focus on the community because there's a lot of that that really needs to be highlighted locally. Um, and same thing with some of the the partners that they choose to collab with, even out of state. There's a lot of uh, a lot of good beer that everybody's making locally. So, uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting year. I think uh, definitely a lot to stay tuned for following Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. So. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, all that. Well, yeah. and so and I, and I think sometimes people may not fully appreciate and realize how much work it is to not just. To, I mean, obviously to put together an entire festival, but to just to run these kind of you know organizations and accounts that you have. Because obviously, as your friend, you know, I've I've talked, you've updated me throughout this whole process. What you are hoping to have in the future, and that there is just a lot more that goes into it than I think people realize. And it's just oh, asking some breweries to show up with some beer, you know, etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So. Um, 
I am I am hopeful to see more uh, f- from the STLB. I'm looking forward to seeing how that grows, and and kind of speaking to that, uh, you know, I know this th- this next topic is something that you and I I know I've, I've talked about at different points, and you know, I, I personally feel that St. Louis, similar to a lot of other Midwest cities outside of Chicago, uh, don't get enough national love from many people in other parts of the country when discussing great craft beer cities, at least, you know, I have obviously lived now, I'll soon have been living in 13 different States all over the country. And I can tell you that people are generally pretty biased, especially living, you know, when you're on the coast and everything you, you tend to favor and you kind of overlook, you know, a lot of the great beer cities here in, in, in middle America. So St. Louis has several award winning and, and nationally acclaimed breweries, but do you feel like there is anything else that can be done to continue to, to continue to push the idea that craft beer lovers need to come visit. Yeah. So th- that, that's really a good point. I, and I think that's one thing that we're, we're looking into and uh, working with everyone, but yeah, you mentioned award-winning breweries. Yeah. There, there are a few of those uh, uh, many of which have their own festivals. Um, Perennial has a festival side project has a festival. Um, uh, Schlafly has a festival. Um Forehands has a festival that's actually going to be hopefully announced soon. Uh, actually, Schlafly, Forehands has two. Um, Urban Chestnut Second shift has, has one. one too. Right? Second shift has two, yeah. uh, and that that's one of the the things that you kind of have to take into consideration when planning a festival. You don't want to oversaturate the market, and each one of those brings kind of their own unique uh, friends and you know beers to to the region that either we don't have or they have a unique twist like cask festival that second ship does every year that's a really unique you know we're just going to brew one beer or you know two beers that for the most part you cannot get anywhere else and that's always a fun festival but yeah many winters uh well it was the last year it was many winters between beer festivals mw bff uh, but it was actually the Midwest Belgian Beer Festival is what Perennial used to host. But since COVID, it was many winters between beer festivals. Uh, BBF. Yeah, sorry. So, yeah, there, there's a lot. And then, of course, you have the Side Project Invitational, which is always a a draw. Because it it's certainly challenging to get tickets to. Uh, just to the way they do that to really encourage local participation rather than the tickets being scalped to uh to others outside of st louis but uh it's it can be frustrating at times to actually secure tickets to a festival that is uh, highly sought after like that so uh yeah the thing is just you know working to kind of rebuild the brand re-engage the community and figure out really the best way to educate people that you know there's 75 breweries here many of which are you know hosted or located right in the city and city itself is affordable it's easy to navigate it it really makes for a great beer weekend or even a beer week yeah so and and kind of speaking to that now like i I know this wasn't actually one of the questions i sent you but it kind of leads into talking about st louis like if if you are visiting you know the breweries that are that are more within the city there's a couple kind of areas maybe that have 
a, you know, two or maybe three or more breweries together. Well, what recommendations would you make to someone that let's say has, has a weekend in St. Louis, like what would, and wants to like explore the craft beer scene? What, where would you most likely want to send them? Cause obviously, you know, we'll talk about them more here coming up, I'm sure, but you know, the big name side project and perennial are obviously usually going to be on people's list if they are craft beer fanatics, but there's obviously a lot more to the city than just that too. And when you, when you're factoring and travel and everything, what, what would you tell them for what type of approach they should take? Yeah. The, the biggest thing is, I mean, most people tend to stay downtown. Uh, the one thing that I see is, or that I, the problem that I think most people make is wanting to be downtown. Uh, if you're visiting for beer, there's really not a need to be right downtown. Yeah. You have um, one of the original Schlafly locations and you're probably about a mile from four hands. Uh, but for the most part, venture a little bit west. You can head to uh, kind of the Forest Park area. You're pretty much dead center for most all of your breweries. With the exception of uh, really perennial, which is a little further south. Uh, but for the, yeah, the most part, you can easily access four hands uh, within really about a five-minute drive, you're within four hands, well-spent, Schlafly, second shift, heavy riff, modern, alpha, earthbound, civil life, blue wood, AB. Uh, and I know people are going to kind of, you know, sigh when they hear that, but AB is a great, you know, it's a great place to check out. Um, I know people have some hesitation about that. But uh, you do go if you do get to down, check it out. The uh, the Brewmaster tour is a great tour. Uh, it's very informative, and uh, you actually get to taste, you know, unfiltered and filtered AB, and you get to try it directly from the tanks, which is uh, quite a difference than what you're getting. But yeah, there's there's a lot. It's so much to choose from, and um, yeah, we have actually Missouri's first cidery, uh, Brick River, is located downtown. They just opened up a location in Kansas City. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a lot to see locally. Uh, I, I always recommend a couple people, you know, they drive in, check out narrow gauge, which is a little further North. Uh, it's out of the city. Definitely probably wouldn't want to Uber to it. Uh, but yeah, there, there's so many places out there to see and explore. Uh, even on the Illinois side, there's, there's several breweries to, to try out and, and see. So there, there's beer for everyone throughout St. Louis from, you know, sours to lagers to, you know, just anything. It You can find what you like here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, like I said, I've, I've been there a couple of times and have thoroughly enjoyed a lot of the breweries uh, that both of us took to. And to your point too, being from Milwaukee, obviously, it's not one that I I'm telling people to go to, but I know a lot of people that go to the Miller tour here in Milwaukee and that, you know, it's, it's, it's quite popular. People still enjoy doing that, which is it's just similar kind of setup. Uh, so now moving forward here, it's, it's one of my favorite questions and I'm going to do it with you because you're the only guest. And so I like to have two flights, but we're going to create flights of beer to represent the St. Louis beer scene. So four beers, and this can focus on st certain styles, certain breweries, one-offs, flagships, what, whatever you see fit. And I will, you, you can go ahead and go first with your four and then I'll follow with, with my four, which is just going to be my four favorites from my time, from my visits to St. Louis, essentially. So yours will be much more thought out and like actually representative of the city. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, well, you're really limiting me with four. 
poor per this Well, point. tell you what, after we do ours, you can throw in a couple uh, uh, honorable mentions. I'll allow that. You're you're my buddy. We can do that. No, I think uh, I was going to say Citywide is probably one of them from Four Hands. It's an American pale ale. It, it's it's just a, a, a good quality beer. Um, and it, it actually has a cause behind it. So, you know, portion of the funds are going to support various organizations throughout the city. So got to include Citywide. Uh, Four Hands is doing a lot here. Uh, I don't, I apologize, I don't have the number, but the amount of money that they've actually raised since they've done this has been uh, quite substantial and it's going for a good cause. So the other one I kind of struggled with, I went between um, Zwickle and Schnickelfritz from Urban Chestnut, mm-hmm. but I ended up settling on Schnickelfritz. Um, actually, yeah. Uh, and that is probably one of my, my favorite, my go-to beers, um, that has just been on my list ever since. Um, it's just, you know, a white beer that's, I, I don't want to use the term iconic, but, uh, there's really nothing else like it, uh, locally. And it's just a great all around beer. Uh, the other one, STL Beer actually just shared an article from, uh, is going to be American Brown from Civil Life. Uh, simply can't go wrong with Civil Life. Uh, everything they do is top notch. Uh, and you will frequently, there, there's a pretty good chance if you go to Civil Life, you're going to find someone from the industry, from another brewery there or a just bottle like shop we did. there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That brewer will remain unnamed, but uh, we are drinking some of their beer. Yeah, that's so. right. You didn't you didn't uh, comment your beer earlier. I didn't give you the chance to. So what what are you drinking right now, Brian? So I'm actually drinking Trinken Verbotten, uh, which is a German wheat ale from Second Shift, and a collaboration with Cigar City Brewing. So that's uh, not in my my flight, but that's uh another great local beer and it kind of just shows the collaborations often venture from you know locally to you know chicago kansas city memphis um even down to florida so yeah there in fact uh there there's going to be a a a pretty epic collaboration that has not yet officially been announced uh, in regards to the World Series, not World Series, I apologize, uh, the Cards-Cubs game in London. So this will be three breweries mm-hmm. uh, yep. representing their their city, their their city or their team um, in a beer. So folks in Chicago, St. Louis, and London can be on the lookout for that beer coming out this summer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I guess, yeah, my last one, uh, in my flight, it's going to be from Second Shift. It's Katie. Uh, it's their mm. Brent beer. Yes. Uh, all absolutely. around great beer. Been a fan of that one for, for years, along with all of the, the variants that they do. So uh, you can never never go wrong with those four beers, but there's so many more that should be on the list that, you know, just you've got to kind of go through and figure out what, what, what fits and what's the best. And maybe uh yeah it's yeah no i know like i said you can throw in a couple more other things and we're going to do other brewery shout outs too so don't stress yeah. too much about it uh for my flight my flight is a little bit different than what i normally would do because 
the more I looked at it, I decided to just go with like four of my favorite beers from, from breweries down there. And first off for something like, you know, I am going to go with the Czech Pilsner from civil life. That was one of the beers that I had with you. Uh, just, I, I love well-made loggers and it's hard to go wrong at civil life with any of their loggers. Uh, yeah, I know. I think, I believe I had the brown ale too when I was there and loved it as well. So, uh, I, th- I think that was one that I had. I'd have to go back and check my notes, but either way, uh, the Pilsner. And then I would say probably my favorite beer at my favorite brewery in Missouri, uh, was Owen at perennial, which is a dry, which was a dry hop Saison with Brett. But that was back. I they I don't even know if they said that. That was back in twenty nineteen, I believe. Uh, so it's been been a few years since I was there. Same with my next pick, which was Side Project, their Beer Blanche Blend Number Two, a Tart Wit. Uh, so I kind of went a little bit off because I really wanted to include beers from those two breweries, but they're semi similar, I guess ish. So not you know. And then I went back. And uh, I wanted to do something kind of darker. And then I ended up, even though it's technically a lager, it's a dark lager. And it's another beer I had with you when I was there earlier this year. And that is the Czech dark lager from Wellspent, which was, that was, I think the first beer, one of the first beers that we had that night. And that and Civil Life were the high, I mean, just so, so good. I think that was honestly one of the better dark Czech lagers that I've had ever. Uh, So delicious. And then my, my honorable mention if I was going to throw out a, an IPA, it would have been Sunny Cat from, from Second Shift. Would have been probably in my honorable mention like for, for an IPA because typically if I do a flight, it's something light, something hoppy, something dark, and a wild card. And here I went a little bit off schedule, but, you know, that, that's what happens. But anyway, I'll, if you want to throw a couple other out there too, I, I, you know, you, you definitely can. Yeah, so I, I'm going to be honest. I intentionally left off one of my favorite beers because I didn't want to – I didn't want to do multiple lager, like, you know, mm, but mm-hmm. um, technical ecstasy from second. Mm, shift yeah. That's another really a classic. Um, anything from narrow gauge, as far as IPA, uh, hazy IPAs, New England IPAs. Uh, there's nothing that has been bad from there. Uh, everything's been, you know, top notch and just amazing. Uh, but yeah, you're you're right. Wellspun does some phenomenal things, and you know, there's there's a lot of breweries that I feel get overlooked that should be on this. But yeah, you can only pick uh, pick a couple. So yeah, um, well, and technical ecstasy, I think, is actually what I got. It's funny when we stopped at Second Shift uh, when, when when I was down there. I'm pretty sure technical ecstasy is what I got a pint of. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I can definitely speak, and I know I, I had had that beer before too, so I knew what I was getting was was high quality. Uh, so now as we kind of start to, to wrap things up here, what, what are three breweries we've discussed or, or maybe haven't mentioned yet that you want to give a special shout out to for, for one reason or another? Yeah. So honestly, the, you mentioned Wellspent, which I think is great. It's, it's one of the newer breweries. It's still not, you know, brand new, but uh, it's one that, you know, people tend to, I don't want to say overlook, but it's, it's easy to miss for the most part, just kind of where it's at. And, you know, Everybody knows the big breweries. That's where they go. That's where, uh, so that that's one that certainly needs a little more uh, love and attention and doesn't get the respect that it deserves. Uh, but another one too is Earth Mound. I know you and I went there that evening. 
Uh, Earthbound is probably one of the, and I'm going to, I say this with the utmost respect, the quirkiest breweries within St. Louis because they brew beer yes. that you will not find anywhere else in St. Louis. I was going to um, give them a shout out if you didn't. So yeah, you know. no. So, and for one, the brewery itself is a really cool facility. Yes. Um, it's actually located in the old Cherokee street, the last remaining building of Cherokee street brewing 1860s. Uh, yeah. So uh, and it is one of the only breweries that you can actually go into the old lagering caves. Uh, every Saturday, they do tours, and you can actually go down into the lagering cellar or cave that uh, was excavated by hand by the head brewer uh, and his staff. And you'll learn a little bit of, of fun things about the brewery, the, the, the lagering caves. So I won't spoil that. I'll tell you to go there, check it out, have a, uh, a sati. You know, or a Groot. Never find, or a Groot. Because that, that uh, was what that's what I had when I was there. I had the Krampus Groot, and it was a it was Groot with elderberry, ginger, and orange zest. And that was another high. I mean, I think that was uh, you know a big highlight for me on the trip too. It was it was such a unique and interesting beer? And as you said, this tap room, there's like a there's you there's actually like a little like catwalk area that you can sit in up above like the main tap room, and it's just it is a really cool spot for sure. Yeah. And it that's the only place, like you said, that I I've seen, I think a couple other places have, have done Gruits and, and Satis before, but Earthbound actually has a whole weekend where they'll brew uh, probably about, they'll have probably about eight, maybe nine on, on draft. So um, it, it's certainly an experience and you can you know try beers that are not available anywhere else in St. Louis or probably in the state of Missouri for that for that i mean or maybe even the midwest because i don't even know if chicago has anything that can compare to that uh, as far as the uniqueness of the the beers that they brew uh, modern is another great one um mm -hmm. modern was one i i we tried to get you to but unfortunately Next they time. closed for uh for unknown reasons that evening uh it was plastered all over their social media so i don't know how we missed it but next time um, just, is this another reason for me to come back yeah, but uh, next time we'll have to get out of the city. Have to check out Narrow Gauge. Uh, there's a few others out there that definitely are worth the visit. So, yeah, and I and I would say the other one that that we visited that had that had some good stuff. Uh, Alpha Brewing. I know that we mentioned them earlier, but their sours. I don't know if we specifically mentioned them for their sours or not. Um, I had a a sour black ale with raspberry and blackberry that was very very good there. Some fun murals and everything and. They were one of the breweries that was super active during uh, Beer State Madness, which we haven't. I, I know. I think you briefly, you know, kind of alluded to it, but uh, I this podcast will be coming out now after I did two. I did a recap episode in my own bracket and talked about it and all that kind of stuff. That Missouri was able to take home the crown of Beer State Madness, and in large part because of of your own push, as well as many breweries in St. Louis, as well as some in Kansas City, getting behind the cause and. That was one thing that I, that I loved is, is that it's obvious that St. Louis has a very passionate fan base when it comes to craft beer and that people are very proud of the craft beer when, it, when it, you know, it's locally. And do, do, you, do you feel like that that is something that is maybe a little bit different than maybe some other cities that you've been to in terms of the number of people that are really passionately like online, like to come in and talk about the local craft beer there? Yeah. And, and I think a lot of it is a lot of people locally. I, I mean, St. Louis was really founded on beer. And that's one of the things people knew, 
most people that are native St. Louis to St. Louis knew someone or had a family member that worked at AB or now at another brewery. There, there's some type of connection for the most part um, throughout the whole community. But yeah, I think it's uh, certainly a, a great city to visit. It's a great, you know, beer destination that's often overlooked for, you know, Chicago, New England, you know, Seattle, Denver, um, all are great, but you know, everyone, some of them have their own unique, I'm going to say quirks. Um, Chicago is a great beer city. I love it. I love going up there, uh, but it's not always the easiest to navigate. A lot of the breweries you want to get to, you really kind of have to spend a lot of time planning um, I want to go here, here. Yeah, you want to stick to here. I got to take specific neighborhoods. Here. Typically, like you're not going all the way across town. That's that's what I always tell people about Milwaukee too. Is is that you know it's just a more navigable place than Chicago with a lot less people, but we have all the same, for the most part, the same amenities. Uh, you know, yeah. as they do. Not not as many, obviously. I'm not saying that Milwaukee's quite on par with Chicago for a lot of the amenities, but uh, you know, in terms of trial having to get around and. We've got a great food scene, great brewery scene, all the pro sports, all the entertainment and everything. So I am 100% with you on that. The mid-sized cities in the Midwest deserve a lot more respect and a lot more attention. Um, but yeah, so th this has been awesome, Brian. Like I said in, in the intro, this has been a long time coming. Uh, I am so glad that we were able to finally do this to shine a light on the St. Louis beer scene. And if you have any other kind of final thoughts, conclusions, as well as uh, making sure to shout out how people can follow you how people can follow STL beer, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm pretty easy to find uh, at 314-T-H-R-E-E-O-N-E-P-O-U-R. 314 is actually the St. Louis area code, so unique play on that. Uh, but yeah, I'm the same on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook. Uh, STL beer, you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and for now, it is ST uh, ST Lewis Brewers Heritage Foundation, uh, but you can access everything from stlbeer.org. You can find a link to all the socials. You can find a, a unique brewery map, uh, news, effect, um, events happening within the city, uh, pretty much anything you need about St. Louis, our breweries. Um, you can find there and you can link directly to resources or breweries uh, to plan your trip. So it's a great resource. Check it out. STLbeer.org. Absolutely. And if there are any new listeners, you can follow me on Twitter at brewery travels on Instagram at brewery underscore travels. You can also go to my website, thebrewerytravels.com, where you can find uh, articles I've written, interactive maps, my brewery visits. There's also a page with a map of all the podcast episodes, as well as links to all the past podcast episodes. Uh, so if you are looking for any specific cities, you can go there. And as always, remember, whether it's where you're visiting or where you're living, be sure to drink local everywhere. Cheers, everyone.